glad you've joined us for Soul Talks. We're Bill and Christy Galtier, and the founders of Soul Shepherding. We train pastors and other women and men in ministry to thrive with Jesus in life and leadership. Today, we're taking a break from our series on the Enneagram to prepare our hearts for Lent. We're sharing from our booklet, Unforsaken, with Jesus on the Stations of the Cross. It's been fun hearing from so many of you that you're enjoying this series we've been doing on Soul Talks on the Enneagram, and Bill and I have been too. So we're going to continue that series, but we did want to take a break right here in this important season of Lent that gives us a great spiritual opportunity. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Surprise by Jesus' Joy at the Cross and we want to welcome all of you tuning in to Soul Talks. So thankful to have you in our community. In particular, we want to give a shout out to our friend Todd Radarmel, who follows Soul Shepherding. And Todd is a pastor of Mountain View Church in San Juan Capistrano, California. Also have a number of friends there. And so, hey, Mountain View friends. Todd was inspired by our institute and Easy Yoke book to build his church on Jesus' Easy Yoke. And I just love that, getting the rhythms of rest and grace into our lives and our community. And that's what Todd's doing. He teaches a Jesus-centered view of the Bible that encourages us to trust in a good Father and to partnership with the empowering Spirit of God. So thanks for tuning in, Todd, and all of our friends in Mountain View. We love you. <laughs> Such a gift being in the body of Christ and in connection mm-hmm. with others who are following Jesus with us and serving him with us. One of the connections that I get to enjoy on a daily basis is with my mom and my sisters. We do a daily email, kind of a round robin type thing where we all write a short little email. It helps us just stay in touch with each other and pray for each other. And uh, many of you may remember us asking you to pray for grace. My my grandniece, my sister's niece who or granddaughter who was born with some birth defects and she's a real miracle god we've seen his action in her life in some amazing ways and she's doing doing amazingly well here at 18 months old but the the other day she had a teacher over because she has you know some extra needs and the teacher had come over to work with her on some things and she was not in the mood she did not want to cooperate with this teacher and so she, Susie had written that she went over and gathered up all the, th- the teacher's things and brought them to the teacher's lap, put them on the teacher's lap, and then said, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I'm done. No, no more lessons. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, I laugh at that, but I have to also admit that when you came to me and said, let's take a break in our Enneagram series on Soul Talks and let's do a podcast on Jesus at the Cross, I, it was part of me that wanted to kind of like go, Okay, Bill, goodbye. <laughs> you got to do that. And there, there is this sense into which sometimes I want to avoid the pain mm-hmm. of, of looking at the cross. But then also I was um, reminded of telling my mom this weekend when I was with her about a movie that we had watched together. And, you know, her first response was, wow, that, that sounds pretty depressing. Why would you want to watch that? And, and you know, then I helped explain to her, well, because there was so much good in it and so much fruit and good message in it that it was worth the, the pain part, the depressing part. And that's how it is on Jesus' cross journey. And when we 
do the Stations of the Cross with him. And particularly what you've done here with this Unforsaken booklet with Jesus at the Stations of the Cross is you've you've made it so that I can go into the pain and it's not like I'm just like watching some horror film or something gory because I'm actually accessing God's grace and goodness with me and for me. Well, you wrote this book with me, even though your name's not on it. We had so many conversations (laughs) and... I I decided to write the booklet for you and people like you and just all of us who are tender-hearted and sensitive and have feelings and if we're really honest we there is something in us that winces at the the brutality and suffering and horrors of the cross of Christ and that we wouldn't be called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus there's something in us that just does writhe with that and revolt and and turn away because it's it's gruesome it's it's painful it's it's frightening and so where is this joy in the cross you see hebrew says that for the joy set before him jesus endured the cross and we tend to want to make that all about heaven and there's a lot of joy in heaven for sure but i think that that joy from heaven is raining on down to Jesus and us on the cross journey. Well, and it's it's helped me immensely to see joy and suffering instead of just trying to disconnect from suffering. And so an example of that would be I was in a conversation with a friend. She was asking me how it was going for me in a relationship where I've been hurt and where I um, have been working through forgiveness. And as I work through forgiveness, there's also grief. That's a part of that hmm. forgiveness journey because there's yeah, loss. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. So tell us, grief and loss, uh, I think usually when we think about forgiveness, we, we think about it as a, a decision or something we should do because uh, God has forgiven us. But you're saying that part of your forgiveness in this situation of being wounded is to really feel the the loss and the sadness and do some grief work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really important part of the emotional forgiveness. There's a piece of decisional forgiveness I'm going to choose to forgive. Mm-hmm. But then every time I feel the hurt and the pain and it costs me, then I need to do the grief work around that in order to be able to forgive emotionally so that I'm not carrying, you know, this or, or get pulled down into self-pity or resentment or bitterness. Yeah, because what a lot of us do is when we have those reminders and that that bruise gets elbowed again or that that wound gets uh, pricked, and we have the the some sort of a reminder of what this person has done that's hurt us, and we're angry about it, is we just shove our feelings down and uh, say, "Well, I forgive," or or we just try to forget about it and, and go on. And think, well, that's the decision to forgive. And you're saying, no, there's a whole process of emotions and reflection and prayer and seeking empathy that's part of forgiveness. That's right. It is. It's a big part of forgiveness. And so what I was able to say to her after I shared with her where I am in that process you know, and how that process has been for me of you know, feeling like I'm, I'm doing good with that. I feel free. I feel like I'm, you know, forgiven. And then all of a sudden this new reminder or new sting or new loss gets triggered. And then it's going back into, it's kind of like a grief wave again, comes and overtakes me. So I do that work and that forgiveness work again. But I was saying how it's been a, a worthwhile and fruitful. And I would even say there's joy in this journey for me because I see the way 
that it's helped me to appreciate God's grace and God's forgiveness and the ways that I have hurt God and the ways that he has taken my sin, you know, upon him and in love has, has borne that and, and grieved and forgive and oozed grace to me. And as I, so it's, it's opened up a greater ability in me to appreciate and receive his grace, knowing that the way this friend has hurt me, I've done some of those very same things to God and not even been aware of it. So you're, you're drawing closer to Jesus through your suffering mm-hmm. through the cross that you're carrying, mm-hmm. your opportunity to deny yourself out of love for the Lord and, and for this friend who's hurt you, you're finding a, a freshened intimacy with Christ in that. That's right. And so there's the surprising joy. That's right. With Jesus at the cross. Yes. And it's, it's based on this whole theme that, well, we're unforsaken that we're not rejected, we're, we're not abandoned, that Jesus goes before us and he's with us, and when we're in pain, we're not left alone. And one of the things that we bring out in the booklet is that, well, we don't believe Jesus is forsaken either, that uh, yes, there is a sense of he's carrying the weight of our sin, and he cries out the first verse of Psalm 22, there on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So there's something he's experiencing there, certainly emotionally, and maybe it's more than that, but whatever is happening there with Jesus' sacrifice and the atonement, uh, God the Father continues to be present and to be loving Jesus and, uh, and the Holy Spirit there enfolded around Jesus. Jesus is in the kingdom of God, and that's what's sustaining him. That's what's enabling him to, to have joy and peace and to be so loving to his enemies all around him at the cross. So how is this speaking to you in this season of your life, Bill? Well, yeah, I was, I was this morning I was reflecting on the Unforsaken journey and particularly the um, station we come to, or the fifth station, Simon Helps Jesus Carry His Cross, which we've got a a picture of each of the stations here in the, the devotional booklet and just looking at the up close Jesus face here and now Simon as he comes in into the scene to help Jesus it's a, a powerful thing for me to uh, in the situations of my life to do just what you're illustrating and showing us Christy is to see how Jesus has gone before me so I've had some challenges, which I've talked about previously on Soul Talks, with stepping into more of a leadership role with Soul Shepherding as our organization has grown, and you're in that with me and your own version of that. And so as I was reading the Gospel of Mark yesterday, I read through the whole thing straight through, so helpful for me, and I saw something I hadn't noticed before clearly, which is how Jesus, the first half of Jesus' ministry is all about what he's doing to preach the gospel, to heal people, and to teach people the way of life with him and God's kingdom. But then the second half is about him, him giving it away to his disciples. He's empowering them, and they're to become the apostles of the church, the, the planners of uh, churches around the world, ultimately. And so he is uh, commissioning them. He's sending them out on mission, and, and they heal people. They preach the gospel. They come back and talk to Jesus. And uh, they, they pass out food when the people are hungry. Many ways that Jesus is bringing them along to, as he said at the outset, make them fishers of men. 
And so I was relating that to my life and my leadership that, yeah, I'm, I'm needing to learn more how to work with other people and work through other people. So I'm not just doing it all myself and you and I aren't just doing it all ourselves, but we have a whole team of people. That's great. I love the way that you're looking to Jesus and his example to learn from and to have him teach you about what what he's doing in your life. And you're, you're looking to him as your teacher and you're his apprentice in this school of discipleship and in what you're doing right now with him, in this case in, in soul shepherding. And I'm with you in that. And I appreciated you even sharing how you paid attention to the order of the way things were written in the book of Mark and that the order of Jesus raising Jarius from the dead, showing forth. Jarius' you know, daughter. Yeah. yeah, thank you. The, the power of God there at work and available and the kingdom of God being at hand. And then next you said Jesus was in Nazareth where he wasn't able to do much, many miracles because the people there didn't have faith. And then after that, he's sending the disciples out so that they can learn that it's not just all about Jesus, his power, and it's not that it, that there's a, a relationship there of of faith and trust and God's power being available to work through them. And so I appreciate it as you shared that with me, too. Yeah, because Jesus had a champion problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is the champion. He's the hero. He's the savior of the world, the Lord, the master. And so the disciples... Uh, all the people around Jesus are totally amazed with him. I mean, he raises the dead. He walks on water, right? And he shines with glory. And so there's this huge gap between Peter, James, and John, and Mary Magdalene, and all the other followers of Jesus. And they're like, you know, we can't do this. They just want Jesus all the time. And, and anytime someone has a need, oh, go talk to Jesus. And so they're, they're, they're sort of like... Uh, uh, left impotent and, and and not able to do anything except lead people to Jesus, which is is wonderful. But Jesus' plan of God was not for Jesus to be physically on earth forever. And his plan was to empower us. As the psalmist says, uh, you stoop down, O Lord, to make me great, which is an astonishing thing. Really, yes. And so Jesus shows his disciples his power, God's power through him, but then when they're so amazed, then he shows them, in a sense, his inability in Nazareth. He wasn't able to heal but a few people in Nazareth because they lacked faith. And so he shows them, hey, look, you, you can do this too, as long as you trust in God through me. You trust in the power of the Holy Spirit like I do, and you can minister healing to people. You can share the gospel and see people's lives change. That's what he's showing them especially as he then uh, commissions them, anoints them, blesses them, and sends them out to go on a mission without him being physically with them. And then they come back and report on that. See, they're learning, oh, we can do this too. And Luke says that's when Jesus rejoices with exceeding joy when he sees that, yes, it works. God's power can be ministered through these ordinary men and women that sometimes are really slow to learn and bumbling along and, and messing up and uh, need so much grace, but even they can do the works of God. That's such good news because it means I can too, and it means our, all of our listeners can too, and it's good, it's corrective in our culture today that's such a celebrity culture that we tend to make it about this one person and 
you know, what, what God's doing through them. And we think it, you know, there's something special about that person and we can build up that specialness and we can miss out that we'll know God wants to work through all of us. This, this life of the spirit, this work of the spirit is something that we each can be a part of. That's why from the start of Soul Shepherding 10 years ago, we've been giving away resources. We've got almost a thousand resources on soulshepherding.org that are tools for our souls, for prayer, for meditation, for uh, communication and relationships, for our uh, ministry to other people. And so we want to empower uh, pastors and small group leaders and missionaries and parents and people in business, all kinds of ambassadors for Christ to uh, live this life of intimacy with Jesus and be able to share it with other people that they care for and that they minister to. And so um, as I was drawing close to Jesus in my meditations this morning, I was noticing something, appreciating it, that I hadn't really seen before, which was the, uh, the depth to which Jesus had to let go of his mission to his apostles in order to uh, empower them and to see them rise up to, to become true apostles and uh, men and women who were leading the church there in the, in the first century because the whole movement really depended on them getting his gospel, getting his message embedded into their character and being empowered for ministry. And so I was, through my own experience in, in my life with you of leading soul shepherding and as we've taken on people on our administrative team and we have people on our ministry team also that are spiritual directors and soul shepherds and learning to be a community, be a team and work together and, and do that more and more. You, you feel as, as the founders, we feel that the, the challenge of that, the difficulty of letting go. And so now seeing that in Jesus and how he's gone ahead of us and, and there's a, there's a joy in that and in that dimension of leadership, but there's also a trial in that. So that's a sense in which Jesus is taking up his cross there ahead of us. And then we can experience now this sweet companionship with Christ. Okay, we're not alone in this. Jesus shows us how to do it. And he's with us as we take one step and then another. That's really helpful, honey. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm, I'm relating to you in this journey. And I'm also relating to another journey that has felt very similar to that. And that's with letting our children go. Yeah. Too. And we experience that same same temptations, same struggle to let go and same opportunity and to see Jesus as doing that is really helpful and really inspiring. We're in the throes of that with adult children, as are some of our listeners, but others listening have have little kids. And if you really think about it, this letting go, it begins (laughs) right at the beginning, (laughs) maybe most noticeably as they head into the, no, I don't want to do that, you know. Even little Grace. Okay, go home now. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> as, as children develop their own will, then we start having some some conflict there. And you know, Jesus's way is so different than our way, Bill, because our way in our culture is that it's all about more power, getting more power, right? More control, more power, more influence, more people, you know, following you or or this, this building the celebrity status. It's not Jesus's way. Mm. And it's not the way of the Spirit either. You and I really like to read spiritual biographies or autobiographies of saints. Um, some 
a long time ago and some more recent, and we've been doing that. And that's one of the things I keep seeing is that the the way of Jesus is not this way of the celebrity. Even though we tried to make some of these people reading books about as celebrities, the Spirit didn't allow it. And they had to let go too. And mm-hmm. they had to learn, you know, even if they got through some big point of incline and became a Christian celebrity, there was a decline too. And how how was their character to be able to accept that and let go and embrace that and still mm-hmm. serve God with the same sincerity and same passion, even though the numbers of people that were following or the attention that they were getting um, was, you know, drastically reduced, their you know, their personality, their character, their um, life in the spirit hadn't declined, but their opportunities and their um, celebrity status or their ministry numbers had. And so helpful to us because we all experience that. We all experience highs and lows in our work and our relationships and our ministry. And so to see other men and women of God who've gone before us, and they share that authentic journey with us. And to see Jesus in that, Jesus mm-hmm. himself, yeah. our, our Lord, the Master, he he had highs and lows. And he had crowds of people following him, making him wanting to take him as king, wanting to make him celebrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he resisted that. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he also had the downside of people leaving him. Yes. In, in droves at times, because mm-hmm. they didn't like what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And so it really helps us in our declines, as you say, to see Jesus' declines and the times and ways in which, at least from the public perception and the outward vantage point on things, he he was nothing. He was a nobody. He was a failure. Jesus, thank you for the empathy you show us in your incarnation, in your suffering, in your ministry, and the ways that we can learn from your life. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone, that you're still very much present with us, teaching us, leading us, guiding us, comforting us, that your grace abounds to us as we take time to attend to your story, to your life, to how you lived it, and to the ways that you, for the joy set before you, endured the suffering of the cross. We pray, Lord, that we would connect with you in your life of grace, finding our joy and our strength there. In Jesus' name. To continue to be surprised by Jesus' joy at the cross, you can order our booklet on Unforsaken with Jesus on the Stations of the Cross. This crosswalk is a great companion for personal devotions or small groups that invite you into a deeper and more joy-filled intimacy with Jesus. You can order Unforsaken and our other Soul Shepherding books on our website or Amazon. And while you're there, please leave us a comment. 